0: Welcome to Men Alive, a biblical journey to help us conform to the image of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Paul Estabrooks. Our teacher is my longtime friend, Dr. Jim Cunningham, consultant in adult education, director of Go Teach Global, and author of the book Men Alive. Jim, in our series on the Beatitudes, the second one says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, Talking about mourning and comforting are two topics that we as men perhaps try to avoid. Help us understand what Jesus means in this teaching.
1: Let's remember the context of the teaching. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all those who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Jesus was speaking to people who understood suffering. They lived in a world filled with disease and difficulties. Some people had leprosy, were removed and isolated from their families. Some had lost their eyesight. Children died from various ailments that today might receive medical attention and be cured. In Jesus' day, no one even had a simple pain-relieving pill. One could say that illness and disease and famine and death were daily realities in Israel during the time of Jesus. Numerous times in scripture we read of people dying and people mourning. The Jews also lived under Roman occupation. They mourned their loss of freedom to rule their own nation. Each feast day, as they ascended to Jerusalem, one of the psalms they sung was, Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams refresh the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. Jesus had lived among them for 30 years. He knew their suffering, and he identified with their needs. Mourning is grief that cannot be hidden. The first time I recall encountering grief was at the age of 10. I used to stay with my grandparents during the summer vacations at their home in the country. My grandmother was blind from diabetes. I remember her as a gentle woman in spite of having no eyesight. She did have amazing hearing and could sense when I was in the room even if I had not made a sound. One night she died in her sleep. I went to the funeral service with my family. In those days, cars did not drive in the daytime with their lights on unless in a funeral procession going to the cemetery. People at the side of the road stopped and waited for the funeral to go past. Many men took off their hats and stood quietly out of respect and shared mourning. I remember as a young boy looking out the window at some children my age playing and laughing and having fun on some grass by the road thinking, hey, stop playing. My grandma just died. I was in mourning. But Paul, you say the mourning Jesus is identifying here has a deeper meaning. Tell us your paraphrase of this teaching.
0: Mourning is indeed the kind of grief that cannot be hidden. It can also be a deep sorrow for our own unworthiness that leads us to trust the Lord as our total provider, seeking his presence and counsel or authority, Such action is rewarded by the Father's gracious comfort. It can also be grief over the sorrow and suffering of this world. Blessed is the man who cares intensely for the sufferings, sorrows, and needs of others. And so again we can paraphrase this beatitude this way. Blessed are those whose hearts are broken for the world's suffering and are deeply sorry for their sin and unworthiness, for they will find the joy and comfort of God.
1: Mourning has many levels. Perhaps the deepest mourning comes with the loss of one's spouse and family members. Jesus knew the pain these people had endured. Many, if not every person listening on that hillside had mourned a loss at some time. And Jesus is saying joy and comfort will come from God himself. Paul, that reminds me of an old hymn based on Isaiah 35.10 where Isaiah tells the people how they will feel when they return from captivity in Babylon. It's been made into a song that goes like this. The redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads.
0: Wow, Jim, that's the first time I've ever heard you sing on the radio.
1: I know, I know, but Paul, you are saying Jesus is speaking at a deeper level as well, right?
0: As we meditate on his words, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What comes to mind is the need to mourn beyond personal grief and loss. For the state of the church, and Christians generally. In many countries, churches are weak and nominal, or are split by internal conflicts. There is need to mourn. There is need to mourn also for believers who have quit the struggle, given up, cross to the other side.
1: We can also mourn for the poor quality of preaching, the lack of prayer, and the deficiency of spiritual power. We can mourn for those who come to the church only to find they are unwelcome. Mourn for Christians unwilling to introduce the light of Christ to others. Mourn for a church hiding its light, too scared to let it shine. Yes, there is much to mourn for. Yet the promise is, if we mourn, Comfort will come.
0: A self-sufficient Bible trainer from the West spent time in China with young leaders needing biblical training. He felt adequate at first, but later wrote, As I left them, I wept. I wept because I had to go back to a world where God was not taken half as seriously. I wept to return to a church where, if I do not insert enough clever illustrations, eyes glaze over and no one listens to my talks. I wept to go back to a world of unread Bibles and dry eyes. I wept to return to a lifestyle that would regard me as mad if I kept trying to rise at 4.30am for prayer. I wept because I really wanted to stay with these 50 teachers and learn to love God as they did.
1: One of the verses given to me as a new Christian was 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The person who shared the verse knew I was capable of trying to be self-sufficient or even selfish and wanted me to realize that every good and perfect gift comes down from God above, who resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Our sufficiency is from God.
0: You are listening to Men Alive with Dr. Jim Cunningham. You can receive a free PDF of our new devotional booklet, Live the Jesus Way, by sending Dr. Jim an email at menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. That's men alive unto God at gmail.com. Jim, what does Scripture teach about mourning and comforting? There
1: are many verses in the Bible that use the word mourn. Some mourning is related to what is called personal loss grief the death wail one hears from an individual's initial realization that their loved one has gone into eternity. This is the kind of mourning that Jacob experienced when he received the news that a wild animal had supposedly killed his favorite son, Joseph.
0: Some cultures mourn different lengths of time than others. For example, the Egyptians mourned the death of Joseph's father Jacob for 70 days. The Israelites mourned the death of Moses for 30 days.
1: The second kind of mourning is a communal mourning grief. The mourning one hears for a person or nation that has rebelled against God. Ezra 10.9 says, Then Ezra rose up from before the house of God and went into the chamber of Jehoiakim. And when he came there, he ate no bread and drank no water. For he mourned because of the guilt of those from the captivity. This type of mourning is typical of the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel and Nehemiah who wept, fasted, and grieved over the sins and disobedience and stubbornness of the people. And a third type is what could be called a political reality grief. In this case, there is still the loss associated with mourning, but it is the kind of mourning one hears after a society has realized its spiritual loss. In Exodus, the children of Israel had rebelled so many times against God's commands that he said, I will send my angel before you, I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people." These people were so disobedient, God said to them, I'm not going with you. Then when the people heard this bad news, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I could come into your midst in one moment and consume you. Now therefore take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do to you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb.
0: The Jewish people knew Psalm thirty-four, eighteen: The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And Isaiah 61 promised a Messiah who would comfort all who mourn.
1: Let's return to the audience waiting in front of Jesus. Jesus knew every Jewish man and boy by the age of 12 had to read, study, and memorize the first five books of the Hebrew Bible called the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and be tested on his understanding, as Jesus was back in the temple in Jerusalem at the age of 12. So Jesus taught by using trigger words. Think of the trigger on a gun. It's just a small piece of metal on the gun, but when you pull it, there's a loud explosion and a bullet flies out of the barrel. Likewise, when a trigger word is used in teaching, it causes an explosion of other ideas related to what that word means in the hearer's memory. Jesus knew his audience was grieving over the political and economic hardships imposed by the Roman occupation. But rather than a battle call to revolt, he spoke hope into their inner needs. That's why this second blessing or beatitude is so powerful. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That's our prayer for every listener today.
0: Don't forget to order your free PDF copy of our new offer, Live the Jesus Way, Following and Living the Teaching of Our Master. Request it at menaliveuntogod@gmail.com. at gmail.com. That's menaliveuntogod@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Men Alive is a production of Go Teach Global. Our website is goteachglobal.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Paul Estabrooks, on behalf of Dr. Jim Cunningham, encouraging you to become Men Alive, transformed into the image of Jesus Christ.